The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, Week 5 College Football Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson, ready to talk some more SEC and important Big 12 matchups, brother. Yeah, we get to enjoy this last weekend of two big SEC Top 25 matchups. Next week is where the party really starts. Clemson, Miami, OU, Texas, and, of course, the SEC is just going to beat the hell out of each other for another consecutive week. So let's get this one out of the way and we'll know where we stand in the SEC. I know I'm against you in Coastal Carolina, but I'm excited to bet uh, Jay Adams. It's mainly a blind heart bet. Jonathan Adams. Woo! My goodness. I'm also excited to bet our first service academy matchup, which we'll talk about, and potentially betting your hogs. And we'll also talk some Campbell, some more camels on Friday Night Lights later. Uh, but before we get to that, I did want to remind everyone of the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. It's now live. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament it's specifically for our podcast listeners. And you can join by clicking on the link in our episode description. There's a top 10 each week receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. And the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale where you'll compete for the grand prize, which is a Las Vegas trip for two valued at over five Gs, courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So again, it's a free tournament. You can enter any week. You can enter this week. Don't do it next week. And if you finish top 10, you get prizes. Top five, you'll get a shot at the end for that trip. All right. So as we do each week, we're going to start with a few situational spots, which is why we love our segment, Look Ahead or Look Away. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? Let's start with a couple sandwich spots. We sure have a lot of sandwiches. 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 And what we mean by that is, you know, a team had a big game last week and they have a big game upcoming it's just something to consider. Ultimately, it comes down to the number and the value in the number. But there are times where you might have a team, these are college kids, that come come out a little flat after a big game or looking ahead to a game next week. And or the coaching staff might have been looking forward to the week after and maybe getting a little preparation time in on the side. They might pull starters a little sooner, maybe not show as much. There's also letdown spots after a big win. All right, so our first situational spot that we want to talk about here is Virginia at Clemson. 
Clemson at BetMGM is a 28-point favorite over under 54-and-a-half. Clemson, obviously, we haven't seen much from this year. They, you know, easily beat Wake Forest, and then they easily beat Citadel. They basically didn't do anything in the second half of that, Um, and that was two weeks ago, so they've had a bye leading up to this game. However, they do have Miami on deck, which is one of the biggest games of the ACC season. Virginia, meanwhile, has only had one game so far. That was last week against Duke. They lost their star quarterback, Bryce Perkins. I was not as confident in their offense with Armstrong taking over a quarterback. He did some good things, but I couldn't really get a lot out of that game because Duke turned it over seven times. Um, So uh, I don't know how much I could take for Virginia, but is Clemson either caught looking ahead here to Miami or are they going to just take it easy or go vanilla at some point? What do you see here in this matchup? You have to think with Clemson coming into this game, this is the team they beat in the ACC championship 62 to 17. Uh, I mean, how serious are they about playing this Virginia team, a team that had a lot more talent in that ACC championship game than it has now. And mostly that comes down to Bryce Perkins and Brennan Armstrong. Now Brennan Armstrong played in that ACC championship. He had a fumble and an interception in that game too. And it's hard to take Brennan Armstrong at face value going up against Duke. Duke's been terrible in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but you know, Cavs, they, they ran 11 personnel. They went 58% rush against Duke. And in 2019, they were 75% pass in the 11 personnel. So I think what that means is Bronco Mendenhall is trying to limit Armstrong in passing situations. He had two interceptions against Duke. One was in an extremely bad spot, put Duke immediately in the red zone. So I just, if, if you can't pass against Duke, what are you going to do against this Clemson defense? By the way, Clemson already has 23 tackles for loss. I think they're the best run defense in the nation. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he hasn't had an interception since October 19th of last year. Virginia did have its own havoc. I mean, I, I will state again, it was Duke. They had 10 pass breakups. They had 10 tackles for loss. Uh, so at least they controlled the area around the trenches. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to get that done against Clemson. For me, this is the Alabama treatment that we had last week. This is a Clemson first half only side, uh, you know, low wager on Clemson on the first half. Because look at what happened against the Citadel, 49 to zero. And then there's no points scored by Clemson or Citadel in the second half. So there's an under and a Citadel cover. I think with Miami on deck, the only way you can play this is a Clemson first half. Fair enough. I will have nothing there, but I will have something in our next game. Talking Oklahoma at Iowa State. Right now at BetMGM, Oklahoma is currently a seven-point favorite, over under 63-and-a-half. This game is fascinating for a few different reasons, but I think it just highlights one of the things that I've noticed so far, and there are exceptions, but generally speaking, you can see the difference that one game makes and the improvement, the significant improvement in some teams, maybe not others, Middle Tennessee State, from games one to two. And this game illustrates it very well. You have Kansas State who beats Oklahoma after losing to Arkansas State, who's without nine starters. So did Kansas State get that much better after their first game? Is that what we're reading into? Or is this more about Oklahoma? And then, you know, Iowa State, in their first game, they lose to Louisiana at home as two touchdown favorites. And then then they go to TCU. They get some players back, and they look great. They average, you know, nine yards per play. A lot of explosive plays, maybe not the most efficient game. And they, you know, overcame some mistakes, uh, one egregious one by Purdy. So it's, it's trying to get a handle on, okay, 
what have, what have I seen for the difference in game one and two? What can I throw out? What was and what do I really account for? You know, based on just the eye test alone, Oklahoma is in trouble this year. I mean, but but I saw Kansas State against Arkansas State, and then to see what they did to Oklahoma, and then to see Rattler throw all those picks, it's very worrisome to me. I was high coming in on Iowa State into the season. I loved what they did last week. A lot of different. They just just that. To, to come back after that first game uh, and get a conference road win against TCU. I like the clones here. I downgraded Oklahoma a lot. Maybe I'm wrong, but I like, I've got a cheap seven and a half and I took it with the home clones. And on top of that, it's Brocktober. There he goes, Brock Perry. This game will be played on October 3rd. And we know how dominant Brock Purdy is in October. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we this is just the podcast, right? We automatically bet Iowa State when Brock Purdy throws in October, so that's the end of the handicap. But I'll throw some more, I'll throw some more stats into this because there's things that bother me about Oklahoma too that I just keep going over and over as I keep watching them. The reason why Baker Mayfield was able to able to overcome a defense that essentially was a set of lawn chairs hanging out in the backfield was because he had a tremendous offensive line. Uh, they made it to the Rose Bowl in the semifinal of the playoff because they were one of the most unbelievable things you've ever seen from a success rate and ISO PPP mixture uh, that, you know, they, oh, that Oklahoma team was almost impossible to stop. And it took a Herculean effort from Georgia, especially in the second half, to come back and beat that team. The problem with this team, now that we know the defense is bad, they take bad angles, they can't tackle, they're getting burned on every route. The offensive line is having major problems. This is not the same offensive line that predicted uh, Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago and it's showing in Rattler's numbers. And I know that there's, you know, the whole, you know, first time quarterback and the maturity and, and getting this kind of pressure when he has pressure, he has a 55% completion rate. When he has no pressure, he has an 85% completion rate. He's had six sacks. He's had three throwaways. He has not looked good with any hands in his face whatsoever. OU was destroyed by Kansas State's explosive plays, and that's not something that's said very often. Those explosive plays happen in passing downs. Kansas State averaged 13.6 yards per play in passing downs. So OU just really kind of, you know, screwed it all away once it became like a third and long. Uh, you know, Iowa State's nothing to been riding home about so far. They've been mid-FBS out of the 70 teams that have played so far in success rate on passing downs and passing plays. So we haven't really seen the explosiveness, uh, but, you know, we didn't see it out of Kansas State either. Both teams average about 30 seconds per play on offense, so I don't expect this to be a speedy game up and down the field, but it is Big 12 play. Uh, you know, Matt Campbell in the 3-3-5, they covered every game against Oklahoma so far, all four years that he's been in the league, and this is the first time Spencer Rattler is going to see a 3-3-5 that can get him some pressure from the three-down linemen. So uh, I'm with you. I'm back in Ohio, Iowa State, uh, and they are a prime candidate for – uh, a money line play, a round robin play, everything here. I think, I think Brocktober uh, uh, starts on on time as scheduled. It's also with Rattler. He's obviously very talented, but this is the first. And you're right. All all the last four years, these games have all been close. Iowa State won one. They lost by one last year. They were ten and margins of ten and seven. The other thing is that you know Lincoln Riley is obviously a, a genius, an offensive genius, and he's the quarterback whisperer. But he's always had transfer quarterbacks who have been in games you know, played for other schools, have game experience, have seen different defenses. Rattler knows the scheme and has been around. But, you know, these are his, like, first starts in college. So maybe it's going to take him some time. 
um, and the offensive line isn't as strong. Um, so there's some worrying signs there for Boomer. I'm on the clones. I'll be tweeting out a lot of uh, tornadoes on Saturday. Um, all right, let's move on here. All right, let's move on to our next spot here, and that's the aforementioned Texas Longhorns. The prairie skies are wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas. They host TCU before that huge Oklahoma game. So are they caught looking ahead? I don't think so after a loss, uh, but maybe. Texas escapes Texas Tech. Is that a wake-up call for Texas? Or is it, hey, we got by, we have Oklahoma on next, we have Oklahoma next week, and maybe they come out a little flat and get caught looking ahead. It's not a great, historically, it's not a great spot for a boy Herman as a favorite. TCU at BetMGM right now is an 11.5 point underdog over under 62.5. I can tell you that I took some uh, TCU plus 13. I like them anything double digits here. It's a great spot for them. But more importantly, this goes back to just, you know, some of this has to be narrative-based early in the year in this unprecedented college football year. And the jump from week one, your first game to your second game, I think can be significant, especially if you have a good coaching staff, which TCU does. They also were starting, you know, a former walk-on at quarterback to start the game. It was not efficient. Max Duggan did end up coming on, playing a lot, and he played a lot better. And the offense looked a lot better when he was on the field. In that game, TCU gave up a ton of explosive plays to Iowa State, you know, runs of 80, 45, 50. So that, that's something that I think they can clean up. From an efficiency standpoint, the defense was okay. Um, so I think TCU's being, you know, they have a lot of Texas hype, and Texas did escape last week. So I don't think that they got downgraded enough. Of what, I mean, that, that defense, I have to – I have a lot of questions about it after last week. And I think TCU with Duggan playing the whole game, which I expect him to do from the start. And then Patterson cleaning up some things on that four, two, five, which does have really experienced linebackers and does have really experienced safeties. So I think it'll just be a couple things to clean up here and there. I expect a much better and cleaner performance from the TCU defense thoughts here. I have no money on this game yet. And I think the reason is because I'd like to know if Max Duggan is going to play the entire game. Can he handle an entire load? He's only been practicing 10 days coming off of a procedure. Uh, and, you know, we don't know if that's controlling how many drives that he can actually physically go in and take. You expect that to be, you know, resolved with some conditioning after two or three weeks. Uh, Downing was not good, like you said, in the first half. And then Duggan came in. We're talking 16 of 19 for 241 yards three TDs and an INT, uh, you know, TCU had seven passes over 20 plus yards against Iowa state. That's some explosiveness we haven't seen from a quarterback in quite a while uh, in Fort worth, uh, you know, and Iowa state, they stuffed 17 of 38 TCU rushing attempts, which is well over the national average. So I don't expect Patterson to kind of go back to the rush. I think the passing is where it's going to be. You know, the TCU offensive line is just kind of a disaster. Not only can they not run block and they got stuffed almost half the attempts, they can't protect the quarterback. They're one of the worst in the nation and, and uh, you know, hurries and adjusted sacks. So, uh, you know, TCU averaged 24 seconds per play. Texas is now at 22.3 seconds per play. So that's the reason why you've seen kind of an inflated total at 62 and a half at BetMGM and rising because this is just going to be up, up and down the field. And I think that, you know, kind of gets into the, into the stats that we're seeing out of TCU from a finishing drives perspective. So finishing drives is uh, how many points did somebody put up after they crossed the 40 yard line? And 
Iowa State just had a field day with this. They averaged 5.3 points per trip past TCU's 40-yard line. Uh, TCU's defense becomes non-existent uh, when teams get into scoring position. Now, if we know anything about Texas, they weren't explosive at all last week. Uh, I think they had two explosive drives out of maybe, uh, you know, out of a, uh, over a dozen drives that they had. Uh, but they did have a ton of drives with two-plus first downs. So, typical Sam Ellinger, we're moving the chains. Uh, running, you know, high tempo, but we're not really being explosive. So uh, for me, this is a live bet after Downing's done his series before Duggan comes in. Uh, I hate to call it like a, a day trader on the stock market, but I want all of this team when Duggan's under center and I want none of this team when Downing's playing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith and assuming that he's going to play yeah. for most of the game, if not all of it. But you could be right. And he wasn't game fit for week one. That's why he didn't play the whole game. So I am taking a leap of faith here. But I will say, you know, there's certain coaches where I love that, and I've made a lot of money doing this, the, the narratives fit, the emotional coaches. It's the Tomlins and the Hermans. And we see these spots where time and time again, Right, Herman as an underdog, he gets his team up when you don't think that they can compete. Herman as a big favorite against a team, and they come out and lay an egg, right? Same with Tomlin. Happens all the time. So even though Texas did get a scare last week, if they would have lost that game, maybe it's a different story. They still escape, and they still have Oklahoma on deck. There's still, you know, this team that was hyped and getting a lot of hype, I still think could come out flat. We've seen it before from Herman's teams in the past, so it wouldn't shock me if we see it again. All right, let's move on to our next spot here, and that is Missouri at Tennessee. At BetMGM right now, Tennessee is an 11.5-point favorite, over under 48.5. Tennessee, 1-0 after a, a semi-impressive win at South Carolina to open up the year. It's a win that that program needed. You know, they'll host Missouri here, but they go to Georgia next week, and then they host Kentucky, and then they host Alabama. So, you know, the rest of October is brutal. Does Tennessee get caught looking a little ahead ahead here? Do they take it easy in the second half? What can we expect from Missouri? Whereas I don't know how much I – you know, how much we can take from that second half against Alabama. Maybe Missouri can take some positive things. You know, it was a new offense, new quarterbacks. I guess they're using two quarterbacks that did get experience against the Bama defense. So if we want to tie it back to everything that I've been saying earlier, maybe Missouri is one of those teams that you do expect to improve significantly, not only throughout the season, but from game one to two. What do you see here? Yeah, I think Sean Robinson showed that he didn't need a game two. I thought he kind of established himself over Connor. Basilic, uh, you know, they both went up, um, you know, they, they both played against Alabama last week. And, you know, I thought Sean Robinson was definitely the, the better quarterback in all of that. Uh, Basilic struggled without pressure. He was 5-11 and 11, uh, for, in non-contested passes. As were Robinson, it didn't matter if he was being blitzed or not. It was a difference of 78% and 72% in completion rate. So uh, I definitely think Sean Robinson deserves most of the snaps. And I really wasn't impressed with this Vols defense last week. I mean, gave up 290 yards to Colin Hill. I mean, let us they choked the lead away. South Carolina then didn't yell Peter ball and get out of the way when they got hit in the leg with that, with that punt. I mean, South Carolina choked it away after Tennessee choked it away. So I wasn't really that impressed with Tennessee. Uh, 
you know, Missouri, you could see the, the Drinkwitz offense kind of playing out. Uh, his personnel went from 11 to 10 to 12. He even threw in a, a 0-1 personnel, which, uh, you know, what is that? No running backs and a tight. So, uh, you know, that I think once the Missouri players get accustomed to Drinkwitz offense, and it looks like Sean Robinson's already got it figured out, um, you know, that's – I think Missouri's going to be much improved on offense – uh, that cover against Alabama, even though Alabama was going vanilla, means something. Tennessee shut down defensive back Sean Schamberger. I mean, as of recording, we don't know his status for the game. That's a really big, uh, you know, component for Tennessee that they need to bring to the table to win this game. Uh, Missouri's defense, take notice, they held Bama to three yards per carry, and that's just not garbage time. That was happening in the first half. Uh, they had a handful of hurries. They had two sacks on Mac Jones. So, you know, the defense kept Ryan Walters, defensive coordinator, uh, and, and I think Missouri's defense is going to get better each week. You know, I just – I don't like Jared Garantano. We've talked about him on this podcast, but I think Tennessee absolutely has overlooked to Georgia. I think Jeremy Pruitt, head coach Jeremy Pruitt, an offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney, I think they go to sleep at night checking their social media timelines, and I think they wake up in the morning checking their social media timelines to see what Kirby Smart is doing. Kirby Smart is in those two coaches' heads like there's no other. Right, because Kirby Smart basically told Jim Chaney, see, you're not scoring any points to me in the red zone. Him and Jeremy Pruitt don't get along from their days. I mean, Kirby was sort of the golden child under Nick Saban. I think Jeremy Pruitt was like the redheaded stepchild uh, that didn't get the same treatment that Kirby did. So there's like a real rivalry here. Uh, I think Tennessee's absolutely looking forward to Georgia here. I think it's a great spot for Missouri to go on the road. All right, let's move on to our next spot, and we're going to talk some hogs. All right, we have Arkansas at Mississippi State at Bedham GM right now. Mississippi State is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 68-and-a-half. Mississippi State's obviously coming off that enormous win against LSU. That has, this has letdown written all over it. Um, you know, they were enormous underdogs and pulled off that upset, going crazy. No one expected it, and they upset the national champs. And now they host Arkansas. No offense home but uh a pretty big letdown emotionally after beating lsu i personally think this line is too high and i was all mississippi state that first game i like arkansas anything over 17 i took some 18 before this is my first arkansas bet ever since we started doing this podcast without getting your approval or hearing your advice so this is a big step for me i hope you bless my bet Woo pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. First off, you know, you wake up Sunday morning and all the uh, college football writers in the world who <laughs> love to create narrative, I've already seen Mississippi State's going to be in the college football playoff. I've already seen Mississippi State can win the national championship. I've seen the Mississippi State. Get your futures in right now. Uh, Stark Vegas is coming alive, and, and we are national championship worthy. Uh, next thing you know, Mike Leach has a produced video on some wagon that looks like they stole from the Sooners' barn, and it's got pirate flags everywhere, and he says, welcome to my bandwagon. You produced a bandwagon video, like a high-production, wind-in-the-background video because you beat LSU, a team that some people took 20 – you know, 21 points off their power rating, lost every single player from a national championship, and you produced a video a couple days later. Man, I mean, this is just – this. It's, 
they should beat Arkansas. But, man, this could really blow up in your face. But, no, I don't think Mississippi State's going to the college football playoff. Let's talk about Mississippi State. Let's talk about the air raid real quick. This is nothing new. Let's go back and talk about what Washington used to do against Mike Leach because Mike Leach was never able to beat Washington. Jimmy Lake, who's now the head coach of Washington, would say it's easy. They do the same thing every year. We run a 2-4-5 or in a small amount of 3-3-5. We take away the deep ball. We blitz on the underneath routes. We let them have the small play. We take away the big play. The biggest key to all of this, who's going to beat Mississippi State? The team that can have two superior defensive ends creating pressure so that the team can drop eight. When you can drop eight, you can cover everything deep and you can hawk everything over the middle. Arkansas has a redshirt senior, Dorian Gerald. He lined up at strong side defensive end this past weekend against Georgia. He had three hurries and one and a half sacks and 18 passing plays against Stetson Bennett uh, and Dewan Mathis. So Arkansas does have strength at defensive end. Now, are they talented enough to stop KJ Costello from throwing these bullets? Probably not. Probably not. Razorbacks are not the defense. Can they keep up? Eat. Can they, Can keep, they up? keep up? That's the question is, can they keep up? So I think, you know, going against Georgia's defense is no walk in the park. Going against Mississippi State's defense, at least you're going to, you know, this should be a little bit easier for Felipe Franks. Uh, I do like the fact that the Razorbacks are running very high tempo. Uh, they were running about 22 seconds per play. Uh, Sam Pittman had his beat writers uh, conference call on Monday morning. Uh, he was asked, do you think we need to slow the tempo down against a team like Mississippi State? And he said emphatically, no, this is what we do. We just need to do it better. This game's going to be fast. Arkansas can't defend what Mississippi State wants to do. Arkansas is moving the ball at a faster tempo than what Mississippi State is. Uh, and, and, you know, Arkansas only had seven passes defensed against Georgia and 47 passing attempts. So they have talent on the offensive side of the ball to keep up. Traylon Burke, you saw a touchdown out of him. Uh, they have other players that are emerging. We need Felipe Franks to step up and do his role. If not, K.J. Jefferson's back there. We, you know, Every Razorback fan's been dying for him. But I'm telling you right now, Mississippi State's on a huge letdown spot. They got a video produced, and nobody's thinking about old little Arkansas when you've got articles being written about you that you're going to win the college football playoff. So, yeah, we're taking Arkansas all the way. This number should be around 10 not 18. Woo pig suey. And Mississippi State doesn't have a great defense. Like people are we, – we saw their offense last week, but LSU also did tread them. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Arkansas is going to be able to move the ball. All right, let's move on to our last spot here. It's a team we already mentioned, Kansas State, coming off the second biggest win. From a point spread perspective, Kansas State actually pulled off the biggest upset. Now, it wasn't of the national champ. But they were four touchdown underdogs, and they beat Oklahoma last week. Huge win. And, you know, we saw the Kansas State, they lose as big favorites in week one against an undermanned Arkansas State team. And then they win at Oklahoma as four touchdown underdogs. I mean, figure out this Kansas State team, because I can't. Now they will host a Texas Tech team coming off two odd games of its own. They barely beat Houston Baptist, and then they almost beat Texas and lose in overtime 63-56. to 56. So these are two teams that I'm like I trying to get a hold trying to get a hold of who they are and it's really difficult for me. Kansas State two and a half point favorite uh, at Bet MGM over under sixty three and a half. I have zero feel for this game as of right now. I still have work to do digging in. Help me out here. I think you have to take Kansas State in this spot, and I know that that's going to be a very very public play after what happened with Oklahoma. But let's look at what Texas Tech's defense has done. 
consider the Houston Baptist game. Houston Baptist had four explosive drives out of 12 total. They had 12 passes over 15-plus yards. They averaged 10.33 yards per play in passing plays. Texas Tech didn't have a great day against Texas's defense. Uh, the Longhorns just couldn't get it going. The Longhorns were actually – it was more – Terrible on Texas's part that they couldn't get the explosive play going and that they allowed Texas Tech to move the ball down the field. Uh, Texas just had three passing plays over 20 yards. They only had two rushing plays over 20 yards. Two of their 16 drives for Texas were considered explosive. And when you consider that Houston Baptist had four explosive drives and just 12, then you look at this Texas Tech defense and you say, well, there's problems with Texas. There's problems with Texas Tech overall. Uh, you know, that leads me to the team that is leading the nation in explosiveness. You know, they have zero success rate. I got called out on the voicemails for sustainable drives from Miami. Well, that new team that doesn't have sustainable drives is now Kids State. They are the most explosive team in the nation that uh, has some problems with success rate and moving the chains. Uh, both these teams rank bottom 15 in defensive success rate. Kansas State's bottom six in offensive success rate. To me, this game is all about containing the Wildcats' explosiveness and when you show me that Houston Baptist has 12 passes over 15-plus yards and averages over 10 yards per play in a passing down, I'm taking Kansas State in this. I know it's public. I know everybody's going to be on this, and the number's moving the other way. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Wildcats here. Fair enough. Um, all right, before we get to our marquee games of the day, here's a quick word from our friends at BetMGM. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's get to our marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week five. We have three of them. First up, we're going to the SEC. We're talking Alabama football at BetMGM right now. Alabama is a 17-point favorite. Over under 51 and a half, taking their hosting Texas A&M. Texas A&M, as we said last week, we know what Texas A&M is, right? Texas A&M knows what, who they are. So they didn't really have to do much last week. One of those teams that after coming off of shortened springs and shortened summers, they didn't really need a tune-up game. They didn't really need to figure things out at quarterback. It's one of the most experienced teams in the country. So I don't think that we can take too much from the Vandy game last week. And the Bama, they dominated for a half. They do have some new pieces, but the second half, you can throw that out. Uh, so I'm mainly going off of Texas A&M priors here, and I think this line's too high. So I took a piece of – I got Texas A&M plus 18. I think they can hang here. I think this is more like a Bama 10 to 13-point win. 
thoughts? Seems like this line is 17 and a half every year. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the line is is too high. And we know after... Do you remember that one backdoor cover that Texas a Against Clemson. Yeah, like Jimbo. Yeah. Against Clemson. Jimbo. That was the 17. That was 17, I think, right? Don't think for one second that Jimbo doesn't know what the number is and that his boosters have money on the game. So just just realize that. He's one of those ones like Lane Kiffin. He knows what the spread is. Uh, hey, don't just be a f- support. Just keep fighting with us. We ain't quitting on you. Please don't quit on us. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be nasty. But, I mean, we mentioned it on the podcast earlier in the week. I just wasn't really phased by what happened with Texas A&M and reviewing more of the box score. Uh, Mond had seven poorly thrown balls. There were drop passes by Caleb Chapman, Jalen Preston, Chase Lane. It was almost like they were calling plays that they planned on never using ever again. Texas A&M, believe it or not, had three explosive drives and 11 possessions. That's the biggest problem with Texas A&M year after year is their offense just isn't explosive enough. They had a terrible 2.5 points per attempt past the 40-yard line. Their finishing drives was horrible. All the Texas A&M defensive backs that defended Alabama played in this game last year, and they did a pretty good job against some of the skilled position players, especially Jalen Waddell. He only had, I think, uh, three three catches, I think, for less than 40 yards. The biggest problem in this game, it's going to sound crazy, but to me is field position. Last year, Alabama had an average starting field position at the 47 and a half yard line that's crazy they started at midfield every time now why did they start at midfield every time because Jalen Waddle had four punt returns for 128 yards I couldn't figure out for the life of me last year why are we punting it to Jalen Waddle stop giving Jalen Waddle the ball so if Jimbo lines up and decides that we're going to punt to Jalen Waddle then we're screwed. We're not covering this number with Texas A&M. That's a good point that you brought up, but one of the things that might work at Texas A&M's advantage if they don't decide to punt out of bounds is they had one of the best punters in the nation mm-hmm. last year in Braden Mann, and sometimes that can work against you when you're punting to one of the best returners in that he was out punting, his, he was out kicking his coverage. You know, Waddle had room, and then he was just burning them. So in a way, Mann was punting it too far against Alabama last year, and there was other times when – Waddle just made plays happen, but you know maybe shorter punts are the way to go. Ugh, anything, just don't let Waddle catch the damn ball. The one thing that did bother me after doing a deep dive on the Vandy Texas A&M box score is that Vandy's starting field position was the 35. Texas A&M's was at the 22. The Vandy punter was just bombing things, and Texas A&M never had a return. So the field position worries me. The punting to Jalen Waddle worries me. If you put those aside, these are two slow pace offenses. They like to run 30 seconds per play. Defenses that are built to stop the explosive play. Uh, Defenses that are familiar with the offensive pieces on the other side of the ball. To me, under is a look in a slow place game where the defense is looking to limit explosiveness. Texas A&M can make this a game if they don't make any mistakes. Do I think that can happen? I don't think they can beat Alabama outright. Uh, But, you know, if they don't get stupid and punt it to Jalen Waddell every time, I think they can certainly cover the number. I concur. All right, let's move on to our second marquee game of the weekend. It's time for Bo Nick season in full effect. <laughs> Bo Nick season in full effect. Auburn at Georgia at BetMGM right now, and this is the this is your seven thirty game, seven thirty Eastern on ESPN. Your Alabama-Texas A&M game is your 3.30 Eastern CBS game. Your first real big CBS is going to be awesome. But right now at BetMGM, Georgia's a six-and-a-half point favorite, over under 44-and-a-half. 
you know, we saw Georgia's slow start down at the half, 7-5 to Arkansas last week. They turned it on a little bit in the second half. We saw Auburn get an impressive win at home against Kentucky, but it was sort of fluky. You know, Kentucky gave away a lot of points and opportunities in that game. Bo Nix did some good things, so there was some good and some bad that you could take from Auburn. Most importantly, both teams kind of got their warm-up game out of the way. The biggest question coming into this game is who's going to play quarterback for Georgia? I don't know still. Maybe you do. What do you see here? Yeah, I mean, what are we going to do at quarterback for Georgia? JT Daniels has been cleared, but this goes back to the Max Duggan thing. Is he, is he, is he in game shape? Is he able to play more than a couple of, of drives? Uh, we know Dewan Mathis was not efficient against Arkansas whatsoever. Stetson Bennett comes in. Georgia runs a faster tempo. They get some points up on the board. Uh, he can at least run the offense. They didn't have an explosive drive. Despite this wide receiver core being a strength on this team, they didn't have one explosive drive against Arkansas, which is troubling, uh, troubling. So the offensive line couldn't get a push against Arkansas on the defensive front seven. And you would think that this would be the strength of Georgia would be to run the ball, but it didn't happen against Arkansas either. I know I really got down a deep hole about this, and, and my, my best bets is going to come out on Friday on the Action Network, and I'm going to get a little bit deeper into this and, and what I wrote up. But I think there's some sort of book out there about the way to beat Georgia is the play-action pass. So let me go back to what happened last year. Seth Williams absolutely tore Georgia up. 20 targets, 13 catches, 100 and something yards. Uh, Seth Williams was the driving force for Auburn. If you look at what Auburn did in week four, just last week, in their first game against Kentucky, uh, six of the 12 targets of Seth Williams were play-action pass. It's almost like they were trying to get him warmed up. I mean, that is the way to have Seth Williams hit these bombs, but he was the only wide receiver on the team against Kentucky to get a play-action pass. Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, they combined for five screen pass targets, but they never had a play-action pass. So if you go back and look, like that's what killed Georgia's defense last year was the play-action pass by Seth Williams. That's what Auburn worked on last week. And holy shit, if you go and look at Arkansas's box score from last week, Traylon Burke, star wide receiver for Arkansas, had 11 targets. Eight of those were play-action pass. So the one way that Arkansas tried to attack, and Sam Pittman knows this Georgia team better than anybody since he was on the staff, was to attack them with play-action pass. And it worked. So, you know, for me, if you're going to set up the play-action pass and Seth Williams is going to burn you, you're going to have to try to run the ball. I mean, you're going to have to turn around and hand it off. You're at least going to have to give some sort of semblance of a rushing attack to make the Georgia defenders, you know, bite on the play-action pass. For me, I'm taking a first half under. Uh, We've got this... I don't know, this this wheel of quarterbacks that Georgia's going to throw out there. One's inefficient, one runs high tempo, one we have no clue because he was, he was not that good the last time we saw him at USC. So I, I don't think we're going to have any offensive efficiency from Georgia in the first half. I think Auburn's going to be concentrating on grinding it out and, you know, ground, pound town on the ground and wait until they can hit, you know, throw some screens to Schwartz and Eli Stove and then wait for that Seth Williams play action pass in the third quarter or maybe late second quarter. But for me, this is an under game, but for, I'm really got my money based on the first half under. If you had a gun to your head, who wins this game and why? <sighs> I would take Georgia to win the game. I, I don't, I, I actually, I mean, I power rate it much lower than the number is right now. The problem is, is I think Georgia played their worst game. And I think Auburn played about where their level is going to be against Kentucky. Uh, I think Georgia played their worst offensive game and, they had no havoc against Arkansas whatsoever. 
and we know but they the have court, it. In yeah, them. but they don't really have that. They don't. Yeah, they don't really get. They that. don't. I know. That, I, they, you're not going to win a national championship unless you're scoring points in the red zone, unless you have havoc on defense, and we still haven't seen it from them. They might have played a poor offensive game, but maybe that happens again because of the quarterback carousel. So that's that's the big question of this game. If they're playing two, if you know, we don't know what Daniels is going to look like. It's based maybe it's like his first game back if he starts. I like Auburn at seven or more under that, and I'll probably wait live and see what I can get. This is the game for Bo Nix to take a step to the next level. Bo Nix season, a full effect guy. We better hear from you multiple times, slurring and yelling. That reminds me, uh, check out my Twitter account, at Stucky2. Their voicemail number is on top there. We listen to our voicemails on the Monday episode of the podcast. Uh, yell, scream, cry, talk about life, uh, bitch about our picks, bitch about us, anything. Uh, the drunker, the better. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's move on to our final marquee game of the weekend. We're talking service academies, baby. We love the troops. Hey, you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. Navy at Air Force. Up at MGM right now, Navy is a six-and-a-half-point favorite over under 47-and-a-half. Well, it's two service academies. So if you bet the under when two service academies are playing – since 2005, you would have went 35-9-1. and 35-9-1. That's against the close. You think the closing total. These things right. usually move. It's an 80% win rate. I mean, insane. 54% ROI. This total opened at 48.5. Get out of 47. Sitting at 47.5 at BetMGM. You have to bet this game. Bet the under. No problem there. You have two service academies. Why does under work? The clock's always moving. Limited possessions. The defenses practice against the option all the time now it's a bit tougher i usually have a good handle on service academies we one of the reasons i do like the under two without knowing much about air force which we'll get to is navy's defense we've talked about it they weren't practicing tackling right insanity they were practicing tackling leading up to the first game against byu and it showed and then in the first half against tulane this is a defense that i thought was going to be the strength of their team they still haven't figured out a tackle. And then all of a sudden, something clicked, right? Something clicked in that second half. They shut out Tulane, and everything started to click. So I think the Navy defense is going to be ready to roll. They have two games under their belt. I still have some questions about the Navy offense. And I think that Air Force, you know, they've had weeks, months to prepare, and that's all they practice against, should be ready if they have enough guys. I don't know what guys are playing for them. We don't know. It's hard to get info on the service academies. And their starting quarterback, who's one of the best quarterbacks, you know, in the country, in Hammonds and how he runs their offense, he's no longer a good standing at the academy. So I don't know what – I can't price this. I can't set a line for this game, a spread. I have no idea how to do it. I don't know how there's a spread out for this game because I don't know who the quarterback is. I don't know who's playing. This could be – it could be all second stringers. It could be all third stringers. I don't know. But if I were going to bet it, I may – I might just, I mean, look, you bet Service Academy under because it's what you do. 
So it's a lot of uncertainty with Air Force, and it's going to be their first game of the year. What do you see here? It's a crazy game. Well, obviously, odds makers can't make a line on it either as they opened up Navy plus two and a half, and it's, you know, <laughs> it goes all the way to Navy minus seven. Uh, you know, Ooh. so I mean, the under usually is a completely solid play, and odds makers in Vegas and, and Jersey, they, they absolutely hate making totals on this because they have a mathematical equation where they have a projected total for each team. And then when these service academies play each other, they just add them up and put them out there and it ends up in the fifties. And then all of us betters know that that's 10 points too high. So, you know, the under definitely is always the look. I would stress that a first half under is good here because of what's going on with air force. So if you look at what's, you know, what's been happening, listen, Navy didn't play for the first six quarters of this season, the seventh quarter, they finally showed up down 24 to Tulane. They win 27 to 24. So, Hey, Navy's game ready. Finally, they've had enough pad hitting and they've, they've had enough conditioning. They're finally, you know, good to go. I think, you know, what people need to realize is what's going on with air force. So, you know, over at the athletic Chris Vini wrote about the preparations for air force that they have been practicing since August but they've had a bunch of cadets that have separated from the academy for a hardship. So the thought was when the Mountain West announced that there wasn't going to be any games and that the idea was they were convinced that they were going to be playing next spring, close to almost 40 players had something called a turnback. A turnback is where you separate yourself from the academy for a hardship. You're allowed to come back the next year and you don't have a year of your eligibility taken off. These are key seniors like Jordan Jackson, DeMonte Meeks, Junior Trey Bug. They all left during the COVID-19 pandemic and they thought they were going to come back and play in the spring. A majority of those players of those 39 players are seniors and a majority of those players are on the defense. Now the Donald Hammond, the third, not no longer a quarterback, they had nothing to do with COVID-19. He's like Stuck said, he's just, not in good standing whatsoever. So considering we have a new quarterback, <laughs> we have almost 40 players that are on this turn back uh, as a cadet at the Air Force, this is an extremely impossible game to handicap on the Air Force side. You can only say that they'll be inexperienced and inefficient on offense. And, you know, there's been no word if Troy Calhoun's got them actually hitting each other with pads uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic practices since August. Uh, this is a really tough one to gauge. I think the first half under is the way to go with so many question marks and not expecting a lot of offense here. We, and we don't know who those guys are, right? Like it's so hard to get info on service kids. We don't know all the guys who decided to take the semester off, right? No, we don't. But we were told yes, it was that's, that's in the high 30s, high 30s. Yeah, 30 to 40. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. I think it's under or nothing. First half under, I don't hate. Now – if you get a bunch of backups on the Air Force defense and they're not ready to tackle, maybe it gets ugly. But look, I do. I just I almost blindly bet Service Academy owners, and this is forty-seven half. You have a little wiggle room here. The, the the way they beat Tulane was the fullback dive. I mean, a fullback dive went for fifty-seven yards. Cover the goddamn a gaps, and we'll get an under here. So hopefully they're good enough to do that. Whoever these guys are. All right, before we go three and out, I got to remind everyone: download the Action Network app if you don't have it. Rate, review our podcast, leave a review. It really helps us. Thanks again, as always, for the support. All right, we got to talk some FCS or no. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FCS or no. We're going to talk another service academy. Army laying 30 and a half to Abilene Christian. 
Army laying 30 and a half? What the fuck? I, I held back everything inside of me and didn't bet UL Monroe. My proudest moment of my betting career. Didn't bet UL Monroe in the second half. Didn't bet UL Monroe live. Man, if I only had that much discipline and restraint when it came to Middle Tennessee State, would have saved the trip to Murfreesboro, where I might have picked up COVID. Fuck Middle Tennessee State. So now I got to do this again. I, I mean, I, if this gets to 31 or more, how do I not take Abilene Christian? At least Abilene Christian just faced, you know, a heavy rushing attack of UTEP, an FBS team, not a very good one. But it's Army. The clock's going to bleed. Limited possessions. Very difficult to cover 31 when you're a service academy running a triple option. Am I crazy for wanting to back uh, uh, the Wildcats of Abilene well, Christian down in Texas? Hold on, Stuck. Check yourself. This is the bowl-bound UTEP rushing attack, right? This is a new and improved Minor UTEP nation. rushing attack here. Uh, no, I mean, the, the only handy I – mean, there's really not a lot on Abilene Christian or this game, but the one thing I can tell you – is that in 32 rushing attempts by UTEP, Abilene Christian stuffed 12 of them. And that's a 37% rate of stuffs uh, against a UTEP rush. That's greater than the national average of 30%. So translating that into this game, uh, Abilene Christian lost that game by a legit four points. I mean, they, they had a real shot to beat UTEP here. What is the line I would make Army over UTEP? About 20, 21 points. So I think 30, 31 is well too high here. Uh, if they were playing eight quarters instead of four quarters, I would think Army could cover this easy. I think it's really interesting that Army's playing Citadel next week, too. I mean, I don't know how much they've really sat around and, and, and studied Abilene Christian. I'm not saying they're taking them for granted. But when you have Citadel on deck next week, you're already working on the triple option. When you got the commander-in-chief trophy against two triple option teams, you're probably already prepping your defense for a triple option, especially when you play the Citadel. So I'm not really sure how much that they've focused on Abilene Christian here. 30 is a lot to cover against any team when you run 33 seconds per play. So I'll run out there. I'll, I'll throw a little, little DoorDash, little Uber Eats uh, side, you know, side money here on, on some Abilene Christian. Let's go. I'm with you. Uh, there's no way I'm holding back from not fading Army as a four-touchdown plus favorite again. So I will be right with you. That game is on. I hope it's the CBS Sports Network special. It is. CBS Sports Network at 130 Eastern. You're damn right I'm betting that game. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. On first down, let's talk some Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Yeah, let's go play some football. All right. We have two games on Friday night. We have BYU as a 23 and a half point favorite. Uh, against Louisiana Tech. That game's in Provo, 9 Eastern on ESPN2. Before then, we have our roll humps, Campbell fighting camels. The Campbell University Camels from Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. Oh, and three on the year, traveling to Wake Forest. They're catching 34 and a half. Campbell is 0-3 on the year, but they played Georgia Southern. A depleted Georgia Southern team lost by one. They played Coastal Carolina, lost by 22. Then they played App State and lost by 31. So they played three FBS teams. They, their schedule is just loaded. And now they're playing at Wake, Wake Forest, 0-2 on the year. They got blown out by Clemson, and then they lost NC State in a game they couldn't stop the pack at all. They've had a bye after the Notre Dame game got canceled, and now they host Campbell this week 
Wake Forest close to 35-point favorites over Campbell. And then BYU minus 24 over La Tech. You know, we know BYU's been really impressive. It's been one of the teams. I mean, they lost all their receivers. They lost their star tight end. And this team is still I, – I know the first game is against Navy to practice tackling, and I know Troy isn't anything special, but the way they beat both, 55-3 and 48-7, you can't help but be impressed by what they've done. What do you see here? Yeah, you got to take Campbell based on the number. I mean, the number should not be over 31 points. So I think 35 or 34 and a half, I think you're getting a gift. Roll right hump. 35. Yeah, some more roll humps here. Listen, the Demon Deacons are near the bottom of FBS and sacks allowed. So Campbell's going to be able to get some pressure here. And something else that Wake's not very good at, the Wake's defense is 70th of 72 teams that have played and rushing and allowing rushing plays over 20 yards. That is really bad against Haj Malik Williams, the quarterback for Campbell, who's just been tearing it up. And I know you said they're 0-3, but they're 3-0 and where it matters, and they're 3-0 and against the spread. The one thing I'm worried about with Campbell, this is a fourth road game in 20 days, and I'm worried about a mid-third mm-hmm. quarter or a fourth quarter collapse. So I would suggest a first-half line. You're probably not going to get a first-half line until Friday morning somewhere. But I would much rather have Campbell in the first half than try to extend him out full game. I'm worried about fourth roadie in 20 days. That's a lot. As far as Louisiana Tech and BYU goes, Louisiana Tech was one of the first plays I made this week. I would, I would, you know, look to see if you can get the 24. But Louisiana Tech allowed zero explosive drives from Houston Baptist. Remember, we just talked about Houston Baptist and what they did to Texas Tech. What Houston Baptist did to North Texas. La Tech allowed zero explosive drives from Houston Baptist. That's pretty good. Louisiana Tech offense is top 20 in passing success right now. Right now. They're top 10 offensively in finishing drives. They're putting points up on the board. They're also bottom 10 in defense in finishing drives. They're allowing everybody to score once they get down there. So Zach Wilson, if you check, he's had more 40-yard passes than anybody in the nation. Nobody's had more than him. He's had five. Uh, just out of 101 plays, BYU's pa- had 10 passes defensed, uh, 10 pass breakups and 14 tackles for loss. So, they, I mean, they've got some havoc going on here. Uh, I do like it at 24 or better. I think the number's way too high. And Holtz has been – Skip Holtz has been absolute money since 2011 as a road underdog. He's 22-9 against the spread as a road underdog in the last decade. And I know we're not a trends kind of podcast, but it is something to pay attention to with Skip Holtz. He does get his team up when they go out as an underdog. Good previews there. Uh, I, might, I might be on the camels. We'll see you on Friday night. Roll humps. All right, let's move on to second down and talk our favorite overdog. For those not familiar, that is our favorite favorite of the card. It's called the overdog parlay. Colin, I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, this is just the type of game UAB dominates. I mean, they love to beat up on fellow G5 teams. Uh, UTSA is a purely run-dominant team, rush-heavy. They love to do it on the ground, and UAB is a great front seven for stopping the run. Uh, havoc-laden defense, and who knows if it's going to be Tyler Johnson or Lucerno back there at quarterback, uh, but I expect what Texas State was able to do up and down the field against UTSA, UAB is going to be able to do the same thing. So this is a conference game. I expect to get everything out of Bill Clark here. Uh, it is being played at UAB, and this is the kind of team they can bully. There's not a favorite I really love on the card, so I'm going to say my favorite favorite. I mean, I like Georgia Southern against ULM, but can I really lay it to one of the triple option team? I don't know because against my religion. I could say Arkansas State because of Jay Adams. That is a real deal superstar right there. But I'm going to say Western Kentucky minus seven because fuck Middle Tennessee State. All right, let's move <laughs> on to third down before we get out of here. And it's our underdog money line. Probably. We finally struck out last week, so it's time 
to hit two again like we did two weeks ago. Uh, it's been a good start to the year. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. You already know mine. Clones, Iowa State. I think they pull it off uh, in Ames. Uh, so I'm going with Brock Purdy and Brocktober, baby. What you got? Yeah, this is going to be a juicy parlay if we hit it because I'm going to go with Missouri. I don't believe in Tennessee whatsoever. I don't wow. believe in Garantano. I think they're overlooking to Georgia. Uh, I think Missouri is going to get better under the Drinkwitz offense. I think the defense already is solid. They just – I mean, they covered against Alabama. I, I Listen, I have no faith in Tennessee whatsoever. So, let's roll. Drinkwitz. Let's do it. Let's get it done. Drinkwitz in Brocktober. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks, Colin, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, tell an enemy about the Action Network podcast, the Action Network app. Check out all of our content for this upcoming weekend. We cover just a ton of games if you're not checking it out. And anytime you want, go to actionnetwork.com. There's, if there's something upcoming betting-wise uh, on the app or on our site, we have something for it. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday with the football betting weekend recap. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.